This week, we welcome Craig Sandman, co-founder and president at Symbol Security, to discuss security awareness, education, and training. In the leadership and communication segment, five myths about strategy, the making of a technology leader, want fewer employees to quit, listen to them, and more. Business Security Weekly starts now. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we explore the business of security to improve the security of business. Your trusted source for actionable insights on leadership, communication, and innovation. Get ready for Business Security Weekly. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. How do you stay ahead of attackers while trying to maintain the strength of your current security posture? At TrustedSec, they believe research goes hand in hand with security consulting. In addition to their established security offerings, they continually advance their own expertise with a dedicated, experienced research team led by Carlos Perez that works on short and long-term projects to assist their consultants during engagements, developing proprietary attack vectors and investigating new threats. Go to trustedsec.com forward slash security weekly to learn more about the pioneer research team at TrustedSec. Security can't solve crucial problems when they have to wade through thousands of alerts a day. With ServiceNow, you can easily prioritize and respond to your most crucial business threats. That way you can go from overwhelmed to under control. ServiceNow brings security, risk, and IT together on one platform. Learn more at securityweekly.com forward slash ServiceNow. Welcome to Business Security Weekly. This is episode number 126, recorded April 29th, 2019. I am your host, Matt Alderman, in a ever-getting-colder Colorado, joined by my co-host, Paul Asadorian in G-Unit Studio. Hey, Matt. How's it going? I, I think it's supposed to be getting warmer. Aren't we, like, supposed to have spring? It's the same thing here in New England. It's, like, freezing out today. Yeah, I, we, we get this every year, right? My wife gets all excited. The weather's warm. It's time to go get plants. And I'm like, no, you cannot plant anything in this state until Mother's Day. Right. And here we go. Nice cold front coming through. Potential snow this afternoon. Ugh. Hence your tactical turtleneck. Exactly. I'm staying nice and warm. <laughs> tactical turtle. I feel like I'm on ESW for a second with, with you and John. Right. The tactical turtlenecks. <laughs> yes. Join your CISO peers at the Global Cyber Innovation Summit, May 1st and 2nd at the Sagamore Pendry in Baltimore, Maryland. This is an invitation-only event. Please visit globalcybersummit.org forward slash request dash information to request your invitation. If you are attending, I will see you there later this week. Also, you can now submit your suggestions for guests in our recently released guest suggestion form. Go to securityweekly.com forward slash guests and enter your suggestions. Paul and I will review them and figure out how we get them onto the various shows. 
All right, let's introduce our guest. Greg, Craig Sandman is the president and co-founder of Symbol Security, a cybersecurity SaaS company with a mission to reduce corporate risk through security awareness education. Prior to Symbol Security, Craig spent 10 years leading third-party distribution for Charter Communications cloud business, Navisite, and Craig also spent eight years prior to that at AT&T. Craig, welcome to Business Security Weekly. Hey, Matt. <laughs> good to see you, uh, Paul. Good to see you as well. Uh, sunny and 75 all the time here in New Jersey. I don't know what you guys are dealing <laughs> with. That's what we got here. <laughs> I wish. No. Um, in the summer, it's great here. But right now, we're in spring. And it, it, we go from like winter to summer and then to fall. We kind of skip spring. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. Well, as you can tell in my voice, we haven't. This is uh, this is pollen voice I've got here. So, uh, I'd like to thank every maple tree for mm -hmm. uh, for my voice today. Yes, Craig. As we were preparing for this segment, I think the problem statement is pretty clear, right? Securities and security awareness and education of our end users is a big challenge. In that, without proper awareness and education. We humans like to click the link, which is a major source of breaches and attacks. Uh, kind of lay that story out a little more for us when it comes to kind of the way you think at it, uh, Symbol Security. Yeah, it's um, it's really amazing when you when you consider um, how much money we invest in this industry in security technology, um, how much of the problem, so to speak. Um, is originating from really a very non-technical intrusion, which is phishing. So email as a, as a system is wide open, right? So we, for the most part, are emailing, um, we're emailing colleagues and, and partners and customers uh, without really much in the way of, um, of preventative security that's going to stop our day-to-day -day communication. Meanwhile, when you think about what we do from a network security standpoint or application security security standpoint, I mean, we've got considerably more parameters in place. So that's really major, um, major technical hurdle. Number one, email's wide open. Um, and then from there, uh, it's really a much uh, lower barrier, that barrier of entry for every cyber criminal to get right face to face with our users. And that's when we get into the psychology of phishing, which is, you know, how can I distract or um, persuade or spoof a situation as a cyber criminal uh, to get a user who I'm now face to face with to divulge sensitive information or credentials um, turned over to myself, cyber criminal. So it's really um, it's kind of an unfair playing field. And unfortunately, I think as an industry, we've overlooked the impact of addressing user awareness um, in comparison to how much we've spent time, energy, and effort on technology that prevents and blocks uh, intruders from coming in. Yeah, it's interesting, Craig and Matt, you know, when I think of it in framed that way, that it really emails just an avenue into an organization. I think back almost 20 years ago, when, we, when I first saw one of the uh, email viruses, if you will, uh, the I love you virus, right? And I think almost 20 years ago, that blindsided us. We we're like, wow, we could build all these network protections, as you said, Craig, but the attackers are just going to email us now. And it's interesting in the past 20 years, 
we've made some technological progress in terms of locking down email, but I still feel like it's the primary way that attackers are getting in today. Right. Right. Those those statistics that we see will say, you know, roughly 90% of data breaches are originating from a fish. And it doesn't get a lot of headlines. Um, typically, the fish uh, or the actual crime involves malware, which is supplanted post fish, right? So it's not like nine out of 10 articles you read post breach are talking about the fish. They're talking about what the fish planted uh, in terms of the secondary strategy for the cyber criminal to get in there. Um, so it right. doesn't it's, quite it's... see you know, all, of the, um, all the headlines that we might expect. Um, it's still an incredibly prevalent means of, of accessing uh, an organization. And if you think about the challenge for IT when it comes to uh, how do we address this, when you as an IT professional step in between a business user and their main means of communication, uh, it's a slippery slope from a political standpoint. So um, most IT professionals aren't necessarily empowered uh, with all of the means of of educating and, and preventing cybercrime from happening. Um, the scenario I like to talk about is, you know, when a, a very high profile employee um, does not get their email, which is critical to the business because it's sitting in quarantine for, you know, an email protection service. Um, let's say that happens over 24 hours. Um, it's a critical 24 hours. The business loses money, doesn't make its objective for the quarter. Um, that follow-up conversation between IT slash security and the business is a difficult one to have. And if you think about that scenario and how it plays itself out, you can understand how challenging it is as a security or IT organization to implement measures of, of more extreme security over a platform that is A, wide open, but B, you know, very critical to the most powerful business users. You know, it's interesting, Craig, I'm not a huge fan of email. I try and get things outside of email. But as much as you try, email is still one of the linchpins in your organization. Like, for example, if you outsource your documents to assigning contracts, as in your example of a business, you know, critical uh, task that needs to get done that involves email, even when you outsource that, I have to go into my email to get the notification to click the link to go <laughs> digitally sign the document. Right. So it's like you can't escape it. Right. <laughs> Email's not safe, so let's use DocuSign. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, email me the DocuSign. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, um, it, it tends to all come back to email, and um, you know we recognize that. If you think about it. Like you know, the end of email in many ways um, diffuses a lot of what Symbol Security is here to do, which is raise user awareness. Um, but in reality, you know, the more you can push outside of email, um, the less you reduce your risks around email, right? It's fairly, uh, right. fairly obvious. But and, yeah, there is that. There but is if, that we didn't, you know. if we didn't have email in that scenario, it would be a text message, maybe a Slack <laughs> message, right? There would be some other right. type of notification right. that I firmly believe that the attackers are going to move to. So I, I, I guess I'm, maybe I'm a little different. I don't look at it as an email security problem. I look at it as a messaging security problem because if email not goes away but is not used for certain tasks, there's going to be some other type of notification system that's going to be equally as vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you've summed that up really well. Yes, it's going to follow mm. the means of the communication. Today it's heavy email. If email gets reduced and we end up with voice or texting, 
um, or you know, insert your communications model, um, for sure, cyber criminals are going to follow that path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not as much the tool or the mechanism. It's more about we, the, the user who's using it, right? And so we know the big two challenges, right? We, we know that it's a major cause for breaches because we click on the link. That's the entry point that allows these breaches to happen. We also know the other side of the scenario, which is we can't shut down business and impact them. So how do we think about this problem differently to solve it in a way that allows us to better secure the front door, but also not impact business at the same time? Right. And it, I think that's where user awareness comes in, um, not just the training components, because there's there's a lot of it out there. There's great companies that deliver user awareness training. Um, I think the messaging across most of the industry is very good. Um, the the real uplift is going to come from uh, what I like to consider frequency. Um, so how frequently as a business can you justify inserting user awareness training uh, into your day-to-day -day as, a, as a mandatory for your users? Uh, when you start to deliver these trainings and simulations of phishings um, and little exercises on a multiple times in a month over the course of a year, uh, your users are going to become uh, a very effective line of defense against what's available to cyber criminals through email. Um, the main reason that cyber criminals are successful is lack of awareness, right? So your most highly trained users um, are typically not the ones that are divulging information. Some are, but um, you know, the targets are typically uh, those in the organization that are not well-trained. So raising the level of awareness of users through training tends to reduce risks, you know, somewhere in the 70 to 90% range. It's really remarkable. Yeah, there was an organization that just had a, a phishing test. I think they said something like 90% of their users clicked on the link and they had some type of security awareness and training. And I was kind of like, I, I don't think that's working. <laughs> Like that's, it's still a critical part, not just having it, but having something that can actually drive the decision-making behind whether or not a user clicks the link. Right. Yes, no, I absolutely agreed. And, um, you know, that, I, again, I think the frequency is important too, because um, Matt and I were talking in the, in the prep for the show about uh, human nature, right. And how, um, how you need to feel um, almost the sting of a mistake yeah, uh, in these situations, so that you don't forget what it's like, you know, to have made that mistake. Um, so, in a lot of these trainings, there's an impact to making the wrong choice, right? So you click on something you're not supposed to, you get hit with a pop-up, um, or you get something that tells you, you did something wrong, and it makes you self-conscious. You say, "Wow, I, I probably need to be more careful when I look at my email." Um, that lasts for a little while. Um, but not long, right? So it might last a handful of days, a couple of weeks. Um, generally speaking, it's more like you know six, seven days, and then you sort of you need that refresher again. You need that you need that uh, incident to happen to you in a safe way again, so that you can say, oh shoot, there it is again. You know, I I, I remember this from a week ago. It just happened to me, um, and and your your brain remembers, and so through the regularity of that you actually begin to interrogate your email. Um, and I use that word specifically, interrogate your email, because when you think about the, the, the few spot checks you can do when you check an email, 
you know, check the sender name, um, hover on the URL. If you're accomplishing those couple of things, you know, with a moderate level of awareness and intelligence, um, you will drastically reduce the amount of times you click or divulge things that you're not supposed to. So, Craig, we talk, you talk about frequency, right? In, in, I agree, you have to experience on a more regular basis. But how much is too much where you start to see the downside of potentially impacting the business from a, oh, here we go again, it's another phishing um, campaign, um, and, and you kind of turn your users off. How do you balance those two? Because you want to keep it fresh in their minds, but you also don't want to do it so often that they get frustrated and, and angry with it, and, and then it becomes a different issue. How do you balance that? It's a great, great question. And I think that is probably the biggest challenge in the industry. Like I said, there's not a shortage of, uh, of players in the market that can deliver super security awareness training. Um, a lot of it is about how can you, uh, as a, you know, get your customers or as a business, how can you get your business to buy off on um, absorbing this training in the proper frequency, which we think is a couple of times a month, give or take. Um, you have to you have to do a couple things. One, you cannot command too much of your uh, customers slash employees' time. Um, you have to be able to do these in quick hits. Um, you know, if it's a sample email, it can't take longer than you know a minute um, to assess the email and make a decision about click or no click. Um, if there is a click, that's followed by a pop up. The um, the outcome of the pop up has to be a quick one. Um, if we're dealing in you know, less than a minute, minute, two minutes, that kind of time frame. Um, you have a justifiable uh, benefit to the business without overburdening them from a time commitment standpoint. The challenge is traditional, um, you know, traditional uh, corporate training is a very negative connotation, right? So you probably remember if you work for a large company, you get corporate training. And it was uh, lost productivity, right? You'd watch a 30-minute video, a 45-minute video. Um, you'd have a list of, uh, of, of trainings to get done. And the game became, how long can I put this off? Because it's completely unnecessary. Um, but I know I have to do it, right? So that's that's corporate training model. Um, what Symbol does and, and what I like, you know, in, in some of our competitors that do this as well, just for, you know, for effectiveness is, um, is to be able to integrate simulations um, into the training model that appear in your inbox. You might get them a couple of times a month, um, enough so that you learn to expect that they may be coming. Um, and then the key from, from the summary standpoint up to the executives is, great, you've had security training now for six months. Show me the impact. You know, show me that this is working. Um, show me that our users are getting safer. Um, so having a, a effective reporting mechanism is really, really important in order to um, to help carry the message of um, it's worth the time to do this. Because otherwise, you get into a um, you know a, a never a, a no win situation where you may be taking too much time for the users, and then even worse, you can't show that there was an impact. Yeah. So from us, from from your perspective at Simple Security, what what makes you different in this approach that allows you to 
keep up the frequency, but without impacting and driving results, right? What, what's kind of that approach that, that makes you different? Yeah, we've, we've taken a couple different unique approaches. Um, and to take a step back, um, we think the days of fishing where it's very low quality templates, uh, meaning, you know, we're, we would we joke about this now, but the, uh, you know, being a relative to the Prince of Nigeria, um, you know, the, those, those types of things don't work anymore. Um, and, you know, the, the message there is let's make our fishes and our spoofs very high quality because despite the fact that we still have a big problem in fishing, a lot of the population understands the very basic scam, right? So uh, what cyber criminals are doing today is a much more targeted approach towards clients. So I'm gonna you know, check out your website, your social profile. I'm gonna look at your business. I'm gonna understand your vertical and then I'm gonna make my move. And so what you get from a cyber criminal standpoint is a very targeted uh, attempt to break into your business through email. Um, and so what we do at Symbol is A, we have, um, um, we have a, a set of flawless templates, visually flawless, right? So you'll never tell the difference between our templates and the actual email from, uh, from any of the organizations that we're spoofing. Um, that is intentional because we know that our cyber criminals are flawless as well. And the last thing you want your users to do is to look at the visuals and say, oh, hey, this, this looks suspicious visually, so it must be fake. Therefore, when the good spoof comes in and it doesn't look suspicious, you end up clicking, right? So that's a huge, huge um, component of being a successful security awareness training is to have your templates be flawless. Um, additionally, the other thing we're doing for companies is we're customizing the spoofs. So there's a lot of um, training that focuses on bigger brands. Um, I talk about reset your password from a Netflix perspective. Um, hey, you want a hundred dollar Amazon gift card? You want $25 Starbucks gift card? Um, we're getting used to that as a user group, right? Those very basic bait type of things. Um, However, what we're not used to is the rogue vendor, you know, that appears in our inbox. It might be a, you know, a paper supply company. It might be um, a local pizza joint, um, whatever, you know, you do business with that you would just never expect to see a spoof appear in your inbox from, you know, from that type of an organization. Those types of things, when they are spoofed, are very effective because it's an incredibly personalized way, an incredibly targeted way of testing your users. So we will custom spoof for companies, um, almost like a scalable pro service is what I like to call it. So, um, so having this kind of scalable pro service allows companies both to get training that has um, repeatability, has scale to it, has automation to it, but also the personalization side allows them to get very targeted. So between those two components, uh, we're able to get very, very targeted for customers. Um, and that allows them to take, um, take the training to another level. Um, and, and then when you ask for uh, frequency um, and you know, it's a high quality of frequency, you get less employees that say, Hey, this is a waste of my time. You know, they tend to say things like, wow, that was, that was pretty good fake. You know, that was good. I'm glad I caught it. I learned, you know, I, I've learned from the past few, I know what to look for, but that was really good. So um, 
I think when it comes down to it, to employees, they do appreciate their role um, as you know protectors of information. Um, Technology's everywhere. People understand, you know, that they have to be safe about. It. I think they just need a little guidance on, you know, exactly what that means. Yeah, and those are two interesting approaches because I think you're right. A lot of people know the basic uh, attacks that are out there, and and over time you're just like, yeah, that's a scam. You just throw them away. But when you get a very convincing email from your HR department that you need to click on this to do something, uh, and it's well crafted and targeted, it it sometimes it's a little harder to detect those and know, wait a minute, is that really from my HR department? Is that really my HR system that I'm logging into or is it something else? And when you can get to that level um, and, and train people through that in a very effective way, that I think helps people just be a little more cautious in general. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's definitely an element of, um, you know, really recreating a situation and putting some thought into it too. Um, is when you when you deliver something to an organization that that is a legitimate situation that could happen, um, and and they understand and learn from that. You know, they're dialed in now to the fact that oh wow, this could this could really happen in this way. So completely agree. Yeah, and so for some of this customization, does it require? you know, external resources, internal resources, what's, what's the, what's the level of requirements to actually deploy these types of, um, campaigns? Sure. Um, so like many companies, we have a library of templates. There's elements that are customizable, um, you know, subject, um, sender names, um, variables within the email that allow you to personalize things to your company. Um, and then on the custom side, um, generally speaking, we're asking customers if they want to deliver a custom spoof um, to forward an email from their inbox to us. Um, sometimes there's a brief dialogue on what we want to accomplish. And then we create the template for them and we drop it into their library, which sits within our portal. So they'll have a custom library. Um, and at that point, that template's available to them to insert into their uh, into their training schemes. Um, so it's as simple as that. Got it. That's great. One of the uh, interesting things on email phishing that I heard in terms of defense um, was we were interviewing uh, Haroon from Thinkst. He's got these little like tokens uh, that can track when code is being used. And there's a lot of companies that have similar kind of tracking. So if it was Security Weekly, and I had sites that had, uh, you know, code in them like JavaScript. I could put some JavaScript in there so that when someone cloned my site, I get a notification that says, "Hey, someone just started up this code on this IP address, and they're probably going to fish you." Now, it's not a hundred percent effective, right? Uh, and doesn't require user training, but I thought that was kind of a neat, a neat little trick. But I would imagine, Craig, that a lot of your successful fishes don't necessarily require that you emulate a website that belongs to the company in question. You could do that with UPS or whatever, right? Right. And, you know, the landing page isn't quite as critical as the email fish itself, too, if you think mm -hmm. about it, right? Because um, if you're a cyber criminal dropping an executable into a link, you may not even need to take them to a, a landing page, right? Right, right. So the, the landing page is sort of secondary, um, but you know, it's it's also a it's a second step in a perpetuation of the training. So 
if they miss the first time on the email, end mm -hmm. up at the landing page, they get another chance, you know, to kind of write the ship from a training perspective. Right. Um, yeah. yeah, I know that is interesting. Um, I think in addition to peer user training, there are, um, there are places where we can chip away at warning signs that, uh, that things may be um, about to be fished or spoofed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Matt. So, uh, I, from a value perspective, uh, Craig, right? You know, what's that value that organizations are going to get out of deploying something like simple security? Yeah. So, great question. Um, it's interesting because it's not going to help them sell more services in most cases. Um, if we find one, um, it's going to be great for business, but in most cases, you know, we're in the risk protection piece of business, right? So, um, so the benefit is really reduction of risk, and those are tough, I think, to um, to measure. But we have a pretty good idea, thanks to a lot of companies, uh, third-party research. You know, we know that that breaches um, can often be seven-figure events, um, especially for the larger companies. Um, in addition to that, there's the recovery. Um, you know, to brand damage and to um, to sales efforts and to the overall existence of the business. You know, there's statistics that show if you're an SMB and you have a breach, you're something like 60% uh, likely to go out of business within six months. Um, so, so the benefit is really um, in the family of uh, of risk reduction. And you know, when you think about the environment today, it is terribly unfriendly for companies that breach, uh, that hold data and they breach. Um, the, the public opinion is unfriendly, the legislative is unfriendly. Um, so, you know, if you are housing data and the world's best cyber criminals decide they're gonna attack you um, and they're going to ascertain data, um, it's gonna be a difficult day for your company. And, and, you know, what's a shame is we don't see as much energy focused on um, going after cyber criminals, right? So we had the Marriott breach, um, you know, and, and, and Senator Schumer had the press conference and it was really focused on what Marriott needs to do, you know, to help the consumers going forward. And so a lot of the press, a lot of the onus uh, entirely focused on the data holder. Um, and so for that reason, um, you know, and I think, I think companies are warming up to this um, but I don't think we're quite all the way there yet. How uh, important and how significantly you have to treat um, data protection and you know address reduction of risk uh, in that space because it's it's a completely unfriendly space. Um, should you be the next one that breaches? Yeah, agreed. Paul, any additional questions for Craig while we have him? Um, Craig, just really quick, uh, a lot of your background is in uh, channel sales and marketing. It, for those that maybe don't know the difference uh, in our creating companies, a lot of people that listen to the show are you know, interested in being entrepreneurs. Uh, why is that so different from regular sales and marketing? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and it's, it's one that you know, has fueled a lot, of, um, a lot of my prior career and, and certainly this business. Um, I like to say we build for distribution. Um, so we recognize, especially in this space and security and security awareness, 
Um, there is a world of third parties and consultants that are called upon to deliver a much broader umbrella of security services than Symbol directly can deliver. Um, and so if you deliver services, Symbol services directly to a customer, they may manage six or seven or eight other individual relationships, um, just like Symbol, but delivering different technology, difficult to manage sometimes, sometimes that's a client preference. Um, oftentimes though, they'll look to a trusted advisor like a MSSP or a CISO as a service or a consultant to take the entire security realm off of their plate. Um, and in that case, uh, building for that particular CISO as a service, that particular consultant, that MSSP, um, we've done that so that they can be a deliverable or deliverer of multiple security services, uh, including Symbol um, versus, you know, just delivering an end customer deliverable, um, which, you know, then you have a third party trying to figure out, hey, how do I how do I tie my value prop and my deliverable into, you know, into symbols portal, into symbols deliverable? Mm. Um, so we've taken all that away, all that potential problem away from our third-party partners, and we've actually built the service to be operated by them, and then subsequently delivered to the client. So customers can still buy from us directly, um, and that works very well. Um, but yes, building for your third-party partners. Um, has a dramatic effect and, and the partners realize it right away. They say, wow, we can tell you thought about us. You know, you put yourself yeah. in our shoes. Um, we can operate this thing and deliver it to our clients. Um, there's a place for us as a partner to add our value. Um, and it fits cleanly in with, with the infrastructure that you've built. So yeah, Paul, that's, um, that's something we thought about and it's something that we uh, intentionally have, have built out. It wasn't a retrofit. Right. Um, years down the road, right out of the gates, we knew it was important. And so we, we built for that. And, and I would recommend, you know, it's a, it's, if you can pull it off, um, it's very much appreciated. Your partners will recognize it right away. Yeah. I found one of the more challenging things in that channel sales and marketing model is training other people's sales folks and keeping them up to date as to what, you know, what problem it solves and why it does it better in those differentiators. Right. right? That's been challenging in my career. Yeah, you basically Certainly. have to create yeah. two sets of materials, right? Mm -hmm. You need materials for the end customer in your value proposition, but then you need to create a set of marketing materials for your partner so that they know how to articulate that value to the end customer. So there's a lot more work involved, typically. Certainly, no doubt about it. And I think um, choosing your partners and your partner path wisely is uh, is probably some of the most important decisions you'll make early on. Paul, to your point, um, you know, training the sellers uh, of a third-party organization is, is, it's not that it's a difficult thing to do. You have to make the right partner relationships so that those sellers are selling something they're familiar with, mm -hmm. at least tangentially familiar with, and it fits the rest of their pitch and the rest of their story. Right, right. No, it's great so we're, advice. We're, yeah, we're, we're looking at partners that already have mature security practices. Um, and, and this is a component of the story they're already telling. Um, many of them add way more value to the conversation than we ever could mm -hmm. um, in, a, in just a simple direct deliverable because they're doing things like pen testing, they're doing things like you know, firewall management and managing Palo Alto devices and 
writing security policies for companies. And so, you know, when you think about that entire deliverable and the value of that entire deliverable to an organization with symbol services tucked in, mm-hmm. you know, as a component of the deliverable, hugely valuable to, to clients. And so, um, and they already know our space, right? So yeah, um, we've got some technology that we're proud of and, and we think we do a great job, um, but it's not rocket science what we're doing. And so a lot of the MSSPs and consultants and CISOs of the service, they understand this conceptually. We've just given them an easy way to deliver it. Mm, that's awesome. Very good. Craig, if anybody wants to learn more, where should they go? Sure. Great. They can find us www.symbolsecurity.com. Uh, you can also send an email to sales at symbolsecurity.com. And uh, we'd be happy to talk to you. Um, having a great time in, in the partner community today and, and talking to clients and see those and trying to, uh, trying to help wage the battle against our cyber predators. So um, happy to speak to anybody uh, that, that's interested to hear more. Great. Craig, thank you for joining us on Business Security Weekly. Great, Matt. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Great to talk to you guys. <clears throat> take care. All right. Take we'll care, take guys. a quick. Thank you. Yeah, we'll take a quick break and then cover the leadership and communications articles for this week. 